ESPN's Tim Kirkton with another great story from ESPN, and that was up at ESPN.com, and it's still there with Cardinal World Series champion Brad Thompson and Chris Ranji. I'm Randy Carricker, and the great Tim Kirkton joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. And Tim, first of all, thanks for joining us. I can't imagine that there's anybody more affected by not having baseball as we approach May than Tim Kirkton is. Yeah, I'm very much a man of routine, so I get up to like really early and read the box scores and do my day-by-day book. It's kind of the way I start every day. I feel so much better when I realize I'm not behind from yesterday, and now I don't get to do that anymore. So that's one reason I took on this writing project. I volunteered to do it because, frankly, I needed something to do every morning to get me going and to look up some stuff and remember all my favorite stories it has really been fun. I get to a certain date, I see, oh, I could, I have a good story about that, or I have a great stat about that, or I can put something together on that. That's what has really been fun for me, despite being an enormous amount of work, more than I thought it was going to be. It's been great fun because I feel at least some connection to baseball when we don't have it being played. Well, Tim, I think I could speak for all of our listeners when we tell you thank you for, for giving everybody their baseball fix, taking their minds off of things, because it, it, it's been a lot of fun. Before I ask, ask you about the Albert stuff, too, I, I've got to know, because you're going through, you're saying, all right, I see this date, I, I've got this. Well, how do you store all your information? I mean, do you just have, like, like notebooks upon notebooks? I mean, what does your catalog look like? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm not very good at a lot of things, but I – have a pretty good memory. And when I've seen something, when I've heard something, I can generally bring it back as long as I'm interested in it. Like anything I'm not interested in, I can't remember anything. But if I'm interested in it, I can remember it. Plus, I've written three books, and you know, a lot of this stuff has been in one of my three books somewhere. So sometimes I have to go back and check my books. But a lot of these stories are relatively new. And if I need something that I didn't have, like, for today, today's thing about the fanless game. I looked and said, well, I covered that game, and I'm a little short. So I called Buckshaw Walter, and he filled me in on So I'm doing some live reporting on this, but a lot of it just comes from stories I have stored in my tiny little head. Well, you're doing a good job. We're going to get into the fanless game, I got a feeling, too, because there might be some of those uh, down the road here. But but I want to get into Albert Pujols a little bit. And it was uh, April 28, 2001, uh, that uh, the arrival of Albert Pujols, as you wrote. And it was great to hear that story uh, of you and, and Mike McFarlane and him talking about Albert being that unassuming guy that's just taking reps in the batting cages. Uh, but for you, the first time, when was the first time that you realized that Albert Pujols was, in fact, uh, all capitals, Albert Pujols? Well, I certainly didn't know him in spring training. I don't pretend to know the minor league then or now. I've got enough trouble trying to keep track of the 1,500 guys in the big league. So I don't pretend to be a minor league expert, but that's kind of the point. I, I didn't know who Albert was in spring training. Not I knew his name, but I didn't know who he was or what he could do. But I saw him, and, and Tony LaRusa kind of whispered to me, he says, where do you see this guy play? That type of thing. It's like halfway through spring training. And then when he made the team, and I said, all right, this guy wouldn't even play the club. And then he's playing all over the field. He's playing first, third, the outfield. He's getting some big hits already. And then after a month, we started to say, all right, maybe, maybe the Cardinals have something here. A month 
we all figured that out. And, you know, most people would have had it way before then. Others would have taken much longer than that. But he was just such an obviously great hitter. And as Tony told me in spring training, his baseball IQ was just unbelievably high. So put all that together, and that's how you end up with uh, one of the greatest hitters, players we've ever seen. Did you? Was there a moment, a specific moment, that you had that thought of, "Oh my God, this guy's good"? Well, <laughs> I, I saw him do a couple things during the 2001 season, and I can't give you a specific, like a ball that he hit or whatever. Oh no, I, I will tell you. I sat with Tony Gwynn early on in Albert's career, and I said to Tony Gwynn, who was on Baseball Tonight with us. I said, who reminds you most of yourself? And I thought he would say Ichiro or somebody like that. He said Albert Pujols. And I went, oh, my gosh. It's from the other side of the plate. He does it with great power. And Tony told me he hits the ball where it's pitched better than anyone in the game. And, of course, that's exactly what Tony did better than anyone I've ever seen. But Albert would take that ball away from him, and instead of – trying to pull it and roll over on it, he'd hit some missile to right center field. So when Tony Gwynn tells you, Albert Pujols reminds me of myself, that's that's pretty interesting. Your preference for first 10 years, and obviously Trout hasn't played 10 years yet, but if you were going to take a player's first 10 years, Alberts or Trouts? Well, I would take Alberts now. And I'm 100% certain that I will take Trouts once he gets 10, because that's how incredible he has been. But Albert's first 10, as I pointed out, might be the best first 10 full seasons. I mean, and, and no bad seasons involved. All 3,100 uh, for great teams, three MVPs, and every finish in the MVP was top five or below, except for one year out of 10. It's unbelievable. But where Trout is headed, I wouldn't be surprised if he had, you know, five MVPs after 10 years, because that's where he's headed. He's only getting better. And he's as great as Albert was, and nobody loves Albert more than me. Trout is younger and faster and more athletic and more defensive-oriented. So that's why I think he might surpass Albert Pujols as the best first 10 years that we've ever seen. Tim, it just kills me that we have not had a chance, really, or at least an extended chance, to see Mike Trout with October moments. Because I think about Albert, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get to play alongside him, so I saw the, the greatness there, the home run off Lidge, three home runs uh, we all saw in the World Series in, in 2011. Uh, I, I wish we saw some of that for Mike Trout. I mean, maybe this year's the year, but, but that, that hurts for me. Well, it hurts for all of us, and it mostly hurts for the game. I mean, I was at the Brad Lidge home run game, which was just unbelievable. And if you guys remember the story there, so now you got to go back to St. Louis and play game six. So Brad Austin, the catcher for the Astros, gets on the intercom and announces on the flight, he gets on the, like the stewardess's intercom and says, if you look out the left side of the airplane – You'll see Albert Pools' home run ball, which is still traveling. And, like, the entire plane laughed like crazy. And then, of course, they went into St. Louis with, you know, Roy Oswald in one game six. That was kind of what Albert did. And back to Trout, yes, if Mike Trout had that Albert Pujols moment where it was the loudest ballpark other than the Metrodome I've ever been in, and then it went silent 
just like that. And that look on Andy Pettit's face when he just went, oh, my God, like that. That was something that we need from Mike Trout, and we will get from Mike Trout as soon as his team is good enough to get to the playoffs. And uh, Tim, Brad Thompson here will tell you, after that home run, the Cardinals thought, oh, we're just going to go home and win this series, right, BT? We thought we were going to kill everybody, Tim. Like, like seriously, after you have a moment like that. What what a rallying cry. And then, as you mentioned, Roy Oswald shoved it against us, and that was the last time we got to see that uh, Bush Stadium, too. Right, and again, Roy Oswald did that to a lot of people. <laughs> Jeff Bagwell once told me that he walks in the clubhouse the day that Oswald's pitching, and he says his feet are up on the desk, you know, like 40 minutes before the game starts, he's not even dressed, like the most relaxed guy in the world. And Bagwell looks at me and goes, if I had that stuff, I'd be that relaxed also. <laughs> that's, that's how good Roy Oswald was, it was, and that's what he did in Game 6 in St. Louis. You know, Tim, a lot of people here uh, around the country are watching this Last Dance documentary. I'm sure you've been paying attention to it, too. And you have a vested interest in it, uh, being that that Jordan went and played baseball for a short period of time. What are your memories from then? Well, I think it's a miracle how well Michael Jordan did in baseball. And he did baseball a tremendous service in my mind by going there and for most people failing the world's greatest athlete plays baseball and he's not good enough to play it. I totally disagree with that. He took, he did, he wasn't even a great high school player. He takes 16 years away from the world's hardest game to play. And he goes straight to double A. Brad Thompson will tell you they're firing at double A. He hasn't faced anyone but a high school picture. I thought he'd hit 050. 050. He willed himself to hit 203, sold more than 30 bases. He drove in more than 50 runs. An absolute miracle that he did as well as he did. And he showed everyone. The only thing that I know for sure, just how hard this game is to play and how it can tear the best athletes to pieces. And to some degree, that's what happened to him. But I will argue with anyone. If you tell me Michael Jordan failed, hitting 203 at double A, having not played in 16 years, that is not failure. Tim, I, I want to hit on a, another Michael Jordan story that you, you uh, did a video about. First of all, I didn't know you could palm a basketball. You must have big old paws. Yeah, I can palm a basketball with both hands at the same time, which, believe me, doesn't do me any good as a 63-year-old, five-foot-four-and-a-half-inch baseball writer. But, yes, I, I could do that when I was 14. It was really weird. I noticed it because I have otter paws, Tim, and I cannot palm a basketball, so I was impressed. The other one, we all know about MJ, uh, how competitive he is, and you watch the documentary, the dude wants to win at everything. Please tell the story about him and Tito playing uh, playing Yahtzee. <laughs> All right, well, first off, Tito and Jordan were best friends from the start and remain best friends today. And I can't even begin to tell you how many times Tito has gushed to me what a great teammate Jordan was. His work ethic was off the charts. He would do whatever he was told. All he wanted to do was get better. So they, But they would take the road trip on the Jordan bus wherever they went, and they played Yahtzee every night. So <laughs> Tito told me one night, just one night, he's looking at Jordan, and he says to himself, I'm playing Yahtzee with 
like the richest man in America, the greatest basketball player of all time, and I'm making twenty nine thousand dollars a year. And this night he cheated at Yahtzee and beat me to take my money because he couldn't bear to lose. That is the common denominator of every great player from John Smoltz, Cal Ripken, Tiger Woods, all of them. They're all the same. Whatever the competition, they have to win, even if it's Yahtzee on the bus with the team manager. Hey, Tim, before, oh, we, so funny. Yeah, before we let you go, uh, your colleague Marley Rivera spoke to Yachty, and Yachty said now, after saying here at the winter warm-up in January, that if he wasn't with the Cardinals, he wasn't going to another team. Now he said that if he, he wants to play two more years, and this is only half a year, that if he can't work out a deal with the Cardinals, he will go into free agency. Could you imagine? I guess we couldn't have ever imagined Tom Brady playing for another team, so you have to be able to imagine Yachty with another team. It just seems like a weird visual for me well it is for me and i'm not disputing any of the reporting here marley is great but uh just logically i don't see yadier molina playing for a team other than the cardinals i don't think he wants to go anywhere and more important i don't think the cardinals want him to go anywhere remember i i'm a maryland guy here even though i didn't grow up as an orioles fan or anything and i'm still not brooks robinson played his whole career for the orioles Cal Ripken played his whole career for the Orioles. It is a big deal. Tony Gwynn, his whole career for the Padres. Derek Jeter with the Yankees. There are some guys that just look at it and say, well, this guy's on this team. This is who this guy is. And that's why I think one way or another, Yachty will work it out and stay there, having done no reporting on this. <laughs> but logically, that's the way it looks to me. Tim, are we going to have baseball this year? Yeah, note my hesitation here. The answer is, I don't know, and neither does anybody else. And anyone who thinks he knows is making it up. But I think we're going to be playing baseball sometime in July. I think there aren't going to be any fans in the stands. I'm not exactly sure where we're going to be playing, but I don't think it's going to be in Major League Stadiums. I think it's going to be the weirdest season we've ever seen. Um, But it's better than no season at all. So my guess is, and we're all guessing, They'll be playing baseball in July. Tim Kirkjian, we always appreciate when you take time with us, and especially now when we can just talk about real baseball. And we, we don't have games, but we're, you're the best at giving us stories and talking ball. Well, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you when the season starts, and uh, stay safe. You too. Thank you, Tim.